going live. This is a presentation of Northeast Streaming Sports. Good morning. You're listening to the Mac and Jack Sports Show on Northeast Streaming Sports. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Mac and Jack Sports Show Friday edition. I'm your host, Mac, with your co-host, Jack Hirsch, uh, saying hi to everybody out there. Uh, and Let's Talk Sports YouTube channel. We picked up a, a new network that we're working with. So to everyone out there, how you doing today on a Friday? Uh, today we'll have in our normal Friday guests, we'll have in um, Byron Williams, former wide receiver in the NFL, uh, played for the Giants for, for a few years. We'll be talking to him about the NFL news, a little bit about the Giants. Keith Angle from uh, TGI Sports Talk. Keith comes in and we talk a little bit about the Patriots and the Yankees and so forth. And uh, the Philly sports guy you know, comes in and gives us our Philly sports update. Good morning, Jack. Hey, good morning. So, of course, the NBA playoffs is still going on. Boston comes back. Uh, there's now two great games to three. Uh, Boston beats Miami 110 to 97. Uh, Tatum and Brown both have 21 points. White scores 24 and Stewart with 23. Miami, their big scorer was a bio, Adebayo, with 16 points, Jack. And if Adebayo or Adebayo, however you pronounce that, is the leading scorer, you know Miami had their problems last night. Yes, Muhammad Ali used to say it was no contest. From the very beginning, Boston took control. I mean, there was no drama in this game, no highlights, so to speak. You got the feeling that Miami was putting all their eggs in the basket for game six where they're going to be at home, where they weren't going to leave it all on the court and lose a close game five that they rested their geared for game six. And as soon as Miami lost the game after being up 3-0 and it became 3-1, people started drawing comparisons with the Boston Red Sox and the New York Yankees in 2004. Even though it's a different sport, it's still a Boston team where the Red Sox were down three games to none, came back and won the last four. And people would talk, well, can the Celtics make history? So Miami opens up the door. They don't close it out in game four against the Celtics. It's 3-1. And now all of a sudden there's a buzz. And Boston won essentially a gimme yesterday. But I'll tell you, Mac, if Boston wins game six in Miami, you kind of wonder what would Miami's mindset be for game seven? Would it be an attitude like we're going to blow this? We had our chance as much as the Yankees' mindset for Game 7 against the Red Sox. It just wasn't there. They were basically finished at that point. So there's, there's some real drama, you know, Game 6 with the Heat and the Celtics because the Heat know they have a much better chance of winning a Game 6 at home than they would of winning a Game 7 in Boston. I mean, I mean you know, a lot of people lot have been talking about, uh, you know, Miami and their, and their toughness and – don't you think Boston is just overall a better team, Jack? <laughs> well, Boston is overall a better team. You just have to look at what 
both teams did during the regular season to see that. I think the focus and the next game or two, and I say game or two because it might only go one more game. Miami wins the next game itself. It's on Jimmy Butler. If the Boston Celtics can rally from a 3-0 deficit, what does that tell us about Jimmy Butler as far as him being a superstar? I labeled him not long ago on this show, Mac, the most underrated superstar in the NBA. But maybe he wouldn't be all that. A superstar puts a stop to this bleeding. He rallies his team. They close it out. Okay, so if Miami loses the next two games, what does that say about Jimmy Butler's legacy? He's never been on a championship team and to blow a 3-0 lead and not go to the finals, that's not going to reflect too well. I agree. Uh, Denver's just waiting for the winner. And, and you know, I, I don't know if this helps Den Denver. I imagine they're 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 practicing and staying loose. Uh, would you think Denver would be the favorite to win the NBA championship, Jack? Of Denver, that's a good question, Mac. I think Denver will be favored, but under normal conditions, maybe the Celtics would have been favored over the Nuggets. But there's going to be a school of thought that if the Celtics do come back and win this, they're going to be physically and mentally exhausted, and the Nuggets are going to be well-rested. There's a difference in sports, Mac. If this were baseball, the long layoff would not be good for the Denver Nuggets. It wouldn't be good because in baseball, you need a certain sharpness, but for in basketball, I think it's perfect for Denver for them to really be well-rested. It's not an off-season. They're not falling out of shape. They're in the gym. They're keeping in top physical condition. They're ready to go as far as sharpness and all. I don't think it's going to have much of a bearing. You know, if the Nuggets have like that extra, let's say, week and a half off or whatever before game one would start, I think it would really favor them a lot because these players have a lot of these aches and all minor injuries, things that are nagging at them, and it gives them a chance to heal up. So I think Denver's very happy with what's going on, and I think the Nuggets would love to see two more games instead of one. I think so, too. In NBA news, LeBron hints at retirement, Jack. I, he's never talked about it before. Of course, I don't think he's going to retire. But once you start thinking about it and speaking about it, it, it normally means it's coming within one, two, three years, maybe. I don't know if it's uh, because he wants to hold on for, you know, to play with his son. He's already the all-time scoring leader. Um, there's really not much more to prove except maybe playing with his son, Jack. Yeah, I can't imagine him bypassing a chance to play with his son if it comes up. Maybe we'll have this scenario, Mac. Maybe LeBron takes a year off and then comes back, keeps in shape. I mean, who knows? I think the grind of the NBA schedule maybe got to him after a while. It was a long roller coaster season for the Lakers. Remember early in the year, the Lakers weren't too good at all. They got off to a two intense start. And it's very hard to motivate yourself if you if you're LeBron James. You don't think your team has a realistic chance of winning a championship. and You're basically playing just to compile numbers and pick up a paycheck. But then the Lakers got better. They did make a run. They did get to the West Conference, you know, finals. But, of course, they got swept there by the Nuggets. 
And it, it's just tiresome to grind people. And it's more than just playing the games. You, those constant workouts. LeBron works as hard as anyone. And to just keep himself in playing condition, that whole grind every day. And he's probably thinking, I'm rich. I have all the money I'm ever going to need. But with that said, I would be surprised if he wouldn't be back next year because basketball is what he does. When we talk about legacy to Mac, LeBron James probably is thinking, I want to add some more points to my all-time scoring total to any future play. I want to make it extra hard on him to catch my record. You know, I, I see a lot of comparisons between him and Jordan all the time. I, it's not fair to me. Um, you know, Jordan has won more championships and he has more points scored during the, the, the playoffs, all this stuff. Uh, you know, I kind of get tired of, of, of watching the the uh, the comparison. Well, what I mean, are you look, saying, LeBron, Mac? Wait, wait, wait. But, you are, you, wait, wait. but you're making a comparison now. You're, you're saying you're tired of it, but you're making it. You're saying, well, Jordan has more championships. Jordan has more points scored in the postseason. But that's what Jordan's supposed to do. He's more of a scorer. LeBron has played the part of a distributor at times. It's different players. And you want to know something with comparisons, why I'm tired of certain things. Uh, We want to point out LeBron's record in finals. Well, he's four and six in finals. One commentator recently said, and rightfully so, it was better for LeBron not to get to the finals this year because if they got to the finals and lost, even though the Lakers would have overachieved by getting to the finals, they would have said, well, now he's four and seven in finals because Jordan couldn't get his team to the finals a number of years. We say he's six and no in finals, but he's only he's gone to six finals compared to 10 of LeBron. LeBron is penalized for getting a a weaker team into the finals, for carrying them into the finals. We hold it against him. So if LeBron had gotten eliminated in the semifinals, those six years they lost in the finals, and he was 4-0 in the finals, are we going to say that makes him look better? He went to four finals and won them all. But because he lost six times in the finals, we go, well, he's 4-6. Yeah, it's, it's true. Uh, John Morant posts pictures of himself with his family with a final image captioned with buy on the final caption, causing the police to check on him. Uh, He was taking a break from social media, he says, and uh, he was seen waving a gun on Instagram the last time people saw him. Well, that that, was was a couple of weeks ago, Mac. this, this, This kid, Jack, I mean, a lot of pressure for a young man. He puts a lot of pressure on himself, I guess. Um, should they should they give him the year off? I mean, should the NBA step in, suspend him for the year, let him get himself back together, or do you just keep going to work? Well, I, I'm not denying that he's under pressure, but Matt, a lot of young men who are, you know, working for minimum wage, unemployed, going or working and going to school, trying to support a family trying to advance their careers, they're under pressure too. I mean, you take people even better off, students in medical school who have to try to pass tests, they're under enormous pressure going on short sleep. I mean, 
people in their jobs, their various jobs are under a lot of pressure. So, yeah, I don't know. But yeah, I feel for the young guy, young man, Jay Morant. Uh, obviously, something is there that's a bit disturbing. And I don't know, is it a mental health issue or not? But, you know, you hope it gets straight now. As far as what the league should do, I think they're taking a wait-and-see attitude. It's the off-season now, but I can't imagine them just letting this go. I mean, maybe Jay Morant just can't help himself and maybe just needs the year off one way or the other. Just needs the year off. You brought the comparison up about other people having, and they are. There are a lot of people under pressure trying to maintain a job, go to school, raise a family. I mean, everybody's under pressure, but this is magnified, Jack. You know, you're on you're on the, the the public court. You're you're in you know you're on all Facebook. You're in all media. Uh, you're getting millions and millions of dollars that you really don't know what to do with. So that's what makes it a little bit different than you know the average guy, me or you, trying to trying to make a living and 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 trying to you know support our families, which we did. So I think that's the difference in something like that. Yeah. Mac, there are millions and millions of young men out there who'd give anything to be in Jay Morant's place. Are you kidding me? Come on. Millions and millions. Jay Morant's behavior has been irresponsible. There have been a number of incidents. If it's a mental health issue, I have tremendous compassion for him if that's the case. And he should be getting the help he's needed. And basketball is unimportant in that sense, where he should then voluntarily take a leave of absence, okay, and get the right type of help. But the behavior he's exhibited is really inexcusable. It's inexcusable, okay, in that sense. But if he's getting the right, right help that he needs, okay, we should all show him compassion and be patient with him. But is he getting that help? I don't know, is he getting that help at all? He's just taking some time off. Is he in therapy right now? I mean, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but I think something is going on behind the scenes because the NBA hasn't quite suspended him yet. They are gonna come down with something, okay? And last time during the season, this so-called eight game suspension, Jay Morant and his representatives, they set the parameters immediately saying, oh, he needs time off. He needs this, needs that, because they knew a big suspension would come down. Jay Morant met the commissioner. Adam Silver said he couldn't believe it after meeting Jay Morant. He thought he was so sincere. And he said, I'm very disappointed to see a picture of him holding a gun after the, the discussion we had. But... Jay, Jay Morant, right now, really, he needs help one way or the other. Needs help one way or the other. Maybe just to work on himself as a person. Maybe he's being influenced by outside sources. Maybe he has certain friends he shouldn't have. I, I don't know. But it's but the league just can't tolerate it. I mean, it's a privilege to play in the NBA. I agree. Doc Rivers, uh, he's uh, one of the two of the two. No, one of the four for the interview for the Suns job. Nick Nurse is another one of them. Um, how much influence do the players have in the NBA, Jack? Who their head coaches? You got Durant over there. Um, 
You got the other superstar. I got a brain freeze on his name right now. Kevin Booker. Uh, right. Uh, Booker. I mean, how much influence are they going to have on tremendous, who they are? Tremendous. Tremendous. Because you have a bunch of owners in the NBA who have no backbone at all. You have a bunch of gutless owners who are going to cave into the players. Okay? And if you have superstar players, they can get a coach fired. They can, they can and they have. If yeah. they want Doc Rivers, Duran and Booker bad enough, the Suns owner is going to hire Doc Rivers, give them the coach they want. Uh, look what happened in Brooklyn with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. They had a great coach, Dan Kenny Atkinson. They didn't particularly like Kenny Atkinson. Kenny Atkinson got fired. He was doing a great job with the Nets. Got yeah. fired. Okay, and it, it's happened, you know, uh, it's happened throughout LeBron James's career. Okay, he's had influence, an influence on teams moving on from their coaches who he didn't like. The one exception was with Miami with Eric Spolstra. Pat Riley told LeBron James, no, Eric Spolstra is our guy when LeBron James complained about him. But he got Mike Brown fired. You know, basically, I could say that pretty safely. I'm not saying directly, but the, the, these are the facts, okay? that Mike Brown was let go as coach of the Cleveland Cavaliers while LeBron was still a member. He was let go at the end of the season while LeBron was a free agent. That The hope was LeBron would resign with Cleveland because he'd be getting a new coach. He didn't. Cleveland then hired Mike Brown later on to coach their team again. Yeah. So if they fired him in the first place, why would they have fired him otherwise? You Makes tell sense. me. Makes sense and what was his name? Uh, David Blatt C had a 30 and 11 record with Cleveland, Mac. 30 wins, 11 losses. LeBron did not like him. That was common knowledge. So they fired him. Huh? Oh, you're firing a coach with a record of 30 wins and 11 losses? I mean, come on. Yeah. I mean, yeah, well, Frank, I'm, I'm not sure what the deal is with Frank Vogel. But he took the L.A. Lakers with LeBron to an NBA championship, and the Lakers moved on from Frank Vogel. I don't know his dad on LeBron, but LeBron certainly didn't advocate for him. And LeBron's yeah. never scared to speak up, Mac. Look at the way yeah. he speaks up on social issues, okay? That's, I'm that's not going to mention, uh, you know, for the upteenth, upteenth time, where LeBron, who should have been suspended by the league, okay, absolutely suspended by the league, for one of his social posts, which is worse, uh, or I should say, as bad as anything else I've seen in recent times, okay? But the league did nothing because he's LeBron James. He's a major star. So they don't suspend him. Adam Silver is just flat out intimidated by guys, by superstars like LeBron James. Adam Silver wants to be a player's commissioner. You know, okay. he likes to be liked by the by the players. You know, he wants to be loved by the players, Adam Silver, it seems, rather than take action. I hear you. Do you do you think Doc Rivers is one of those is one of those managers that can get you to the dance but can't get you, you know, the championship? I mean, I know he won two with the Celtics, uh, but you think well, that one, maybe one, one. one with the Celtics? 
And, and he went to the finals this right. game another year. So so do you think he's one of those coaches, Jack, that if you want to, you know, get there, he's he's a coach in between where you go from from you know point A to point B to winning. All I'm gonna say, Mac, thankfully Doc Rivers isn't white. Because if he were white, can you imagine what they'd be saying? All these opportunities he's been given and the way he's been recycled over and over and over from the LA. From the talented L.A. Clippers with Chris Paul and Blake Griffin and company, uh, they couldn't get to the finals there. They, they never achieved their potential. He did win the championship in Boston. Uh, you got to give him his due, and then they faltered a bit there. And, you know, they've been in other stops. Now at Philadelphia, look, in three years, he never got to the conference uh, finals. You know, and with talented teams, and can he get you there? Yeah, I suppose he can. Yeah, but but Doc Rivers has been around the block several times. I guess it's his personality. Doc Rivers is very well spoken, very intelligent, and he's been around a while. And I guess he gets along well with the GMs, and he's a coaching lifer. But but like you said before, Mac, if Durant and Booker want him to be the Phoenix Suns coach, they want him bad enough. They really advocate for him. It'll be his job. Dwight Howard, uh, he's overplaying uh, overseas in Taiwan right now. Um, and of course, when you play overseas, you don't know what the thoughts and the politics are over there. Uh, but he's drawn fierce backlash from China because he called Taiwan a country. So. You know, I don't know. I don't know what that means. I don't know if uh, China's going to invade Taiwan or not, Jack. But uh, I guess when you go overseas with something like that and you play overseas, you got to you got to kind of uh, be careful on what you say, because it's more of a political thing than it is about the sport. Jack. Yeah, it's it's a shame. Sometimes you just make a remark, an innocent remark, and it and it explodes. Sometimes someone, you know, puts a cap on your head puts a flag in your hand and it happens so quickly right. and someone takes a still picture of it and they want to kind of like hold it against you in a certain way. But, uh, with Dwight Howard, it's, uh, he, I'll tell you, he's having a big season there in Taiwan. Yeah, he's playing really well. He's a dominating player there and they yeah. like him then. Uh, so a few NBA teams could certainly use him here. Do you want to be a, Big fish in a small pond, a small fish in a big pond. That's yeah. the question. But if Dwight Howard's comfortable being there, you know, good for him. Yeah, I, I mean, mean he did, did a lot. Going to China did a lot for Stephen Marbury, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah, I mean, he played pretty well even up to, to, to when he left. He was a good player off the bench. He's more of a star over there, I would imagine. But uh, in the NBA, he still can play in the NBA. In Major League, the games of – Baltimore takes two out of three from the Yankees, winning last night three to one. Yankees were the hottest team in baseball. Uh, they were eight and two for uh, ten games before the series. Um, bats are bats are inconsistent, Jack, and of course the pitching uh, also. Uh, they're still having problems getting that pitching staff together. Rondon has started pitching, uh, started throwing, uh, but he's not ready to come up yet. So. The Yankees uh, lost three to one, and what? What? Hey, Byron, we'll, we'll take hey, a break. Baseball. We got Byron Williams, our NFL 
thought, what is up with that hat? What is that, Byron? You look like a thug, Byron, with that hat on, man. This is hit the ground running Friday. I got a lot, lot to do. To yeah, okay. Ground running. I got my hat on, so I got a lot, a lot on my plate. You got a lot of places. I, just want, I wanted Jack to see what a what a working man looked like. <laughs> you know? and you can all turn right. his head, you can turn his head all kind of ways, but yeah. Oh, but but I got a little rabbit okay. here. Oh, okay. Well, okay. but what I what I wanted to do just just let Jack know what it looked like on Friday morning when you hit the ground running. You don't right. stop from that from start to finish. You keep going all day. Well, right. come Friday, it just I just tried to hold on because that signified usually the end of the work week when I was when I was younger. So you're just holding on by Friday. Byron is a busy man. So Byron, let's get into a little bit of giant news and NFL news. And I gotta I gotta text you something after the show because uh, for what you're trying to do for me, the date and time has changed. So I don't know why, but I'll, I'll get it to you. Um, so in in New York Giant news. Uh, the Giants are very excited about Jalen Hyatt uh, in the workouts. Of course, you know, they're not in pads yet because they'll get in trouble as the Patriots found out. But the wide receiver is, is getting up to speed. He's fast. They say he's fast as as the cheetah. I don't know about that. That's what they're saying. He's pretty he's fast. Looking, he's looking really good in the OTAs. Uh, Byron looks like he might even be a starting wide receiver for us this year. I think he's gonna come in and probably be a starting wide receiver. I just think now that he he can get used to the speed and and the terminology and, and get get his confidence up. I think the main thing with with young players is the confidence and getting used to the the environment and 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 learning that playbook. I think uh, it's a lot that he needs to know. And I just think if the OTA is going to, as well as they say they're going, you know, I'm excited for him because he's one of the guys that I really did like that's coming out of college this year. Well, Giants moved up in the draft to get Hyatt, so obviously they have big plans for him. Yeah, because if they weren't able to get the top five, the top five, consider the top five wide receiver, but I think that was a great choice. And, and you know, and, and wide receivers coming out of college this day and time, you don't lose a whole lot, you know, when you get the top ten guys uh, in those positions. So I think uh, him going there and, and getting his confidence up is going to be the main thing main ingredients that he can you know that he can have and right now he's looking good the giants are, are shoring up their front office too uh joe showing hires former giants gm candidate ryan um course coward uh an executive advisor uh with more than 20 years experience he was a candidate before uh he was almost hired before shohan was hired so he's bringing he's going to draw from his experience and being a young gm which, you know, a lot of moves are made. A lot of things are done at the top, Byron, in football. Yeah, and, that, and I think that's, that shows that they can see the need of what what they can have. Bringing somebody with passion, somebody that knows about the, the legacy of what the Giants is all about. And I think that's good for the morale. It's good to have people walking in and out of the locker room that uh, that's passionate about the team. And I think they didn't have that before. You know, you bring in all these different people and then you find them every other year or whatever. Now you bring somebody in that's been that's been there, has been a part of the, the growth and knows the, you know, knows the, the history of what, what you want to try to implement. And I think that's really good. And you know, you can see it over and over again that it's about being uh important, doing important things on the field as well as off the football field. 
great. Uh, John Smith, the center that they drafted, uh, signs. So all the draftees now are signed, uh, Byron, uh, which I think it's been the this has been like the first time in the last 10 years that all uh, draftees have been signed. So good job by the front office again. I think Schmitz is going to be a good center, uh, Byron. Short- I, do too. I, I, I think so, too. I, you know, you know, we talked to Mark O from time to time and he's a two time Super Bowl center uh, early on. And, you know, um, so a lot of good people have been saying good things about Smith. And so. That, that carry over to what what the expectations are. And I think when you have that in place, now you can get some momentum going. And that, that I'm excited about what uh, what the Giants can do this year, um, you know, just build off what they did last year. And I think with the leadership and the coaches and, and, and players coming out in there hungry and knowing that they need to not make mistakes and stay healthy, I think this is going to be very important. The uh, Sterling Shepard is back. He's healthy. He's, he's out there at the OTAs right now. What is what does Sterling Shepard mean to that wide receiver crew over there, Byron? I think Sterling uh, could be a player coach as well as somebody that's been there that know that, that's seen the ups and downs, been to a lot of injuries, and hopefully if he can stay healthy uh, as long as possible, you know he brings a lot. I think his leadership ability is really good, and him being a good inside receiver to be able to create you know, movement and help create space for the other, the tight end as well as the other wide receivers. I think he he, he brings a lot. So um, that locker room leadership is really going to be good in the, in the film rooms as well. Um, You know, we talk about the Giants offense a lot. We don't talk a lot about their defense. And I was looking at some stats on the Giants defense last year. They were, they were, uh, they had 41 sacks, 106 quarterback hits, 18 forced fumbles, and were eighth best in the league. Now, with Thibodeau coming back for a second season, this is Jack's favorite player, and a lot of those young players that are now gaining experience, I mean, the Giants' defense should be really good this year, Byron, going up against the Eagles' offense and the Cowboys' offense. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm real high on Thibodeau coming out of Oregon. And, you know, we talked about that. We've been talking about that for the last year. And I just think he it, – it's so important what he did between the end of the year and what he's doing now. Uh, and I think this this second year of first uh, – being a first rounder in your second year, it's time to shut up and put up. And and hopefully, you know, he, he gets to the point where he can become more mature-minded and uh, I, and I think this this is gonna be a key factor. I predicted if he have ten sacks, the Giants defense can move up a little bit more higher in the rating on having a you know good a good season. But you know it's gonna be a, a good a good season, a rough season because they play in the AFC East. But definitely the defense, uh, like you said, played well last year. That's what kept them in the game. A lot of team a lot of teams weren't scoring a lot of points on on the Giants last year. And I think that's what kept them around to win some games that they could have lost. After Thibodeau went number five overall in the draft, after seeing him one year, if you threw him back in the draft again this year, he wouldn't have gone in the first round. The other teams got to view him and see. I mean, he's an okay player, don't get me wrong, but not for the – not a number five overall pick. That was a fiasco. I mean, he can contribute, have some big games from time to time, perhaps. 
but he's just, they're not even counting heavily on him. It's Leonard Floyd and Leonard Williams they're counting heavily on, so much more than Thibodeau. And if Thibodeau were the real thing, they would count on him just as much as those guys. You don't think a team like the Lions count heavily on Hutchinson to be the leader of their defense? And he came out the same time as Thibodeau. He went number two, Thibodeau went number five. That's somewhat comparable. But Thibodeau's not a leader of the Giant defense. If Hutchinson was on the Giants now, he'd be considered a leader, maybe the man, you know? But Thibodeau, I mean, he'll, he, he, I'm not saying he's going to, have a complete off year. He'll have some really good games, I'm sure, three or four really good games. He'll have maybe two games where he'll be sensational. And you're going to say, you see, I told you. And then we'll go four games and do nothing significant at all. I think, I, I think it's just, Jack, I think it's just a matter of time. I think he, he came in learning, learning the scheme of things. And he was a good college player, first of all. I think that's one of the reasons why he went so high. He had a great career in college, but I, I also I also think and he got hurt. He got hurt. He got he had some injuries, but I also think he he still would have been in the top. I think top fifteen uh, coming out this last year draft because that this last year draft wasn't that strong for his defensive impact for players. I mean, you, you're talking about a couple of players that that went went in the top ten, but for a defensive lineman. But um, but I do I do say that Timberdo. Um, all he gotta do is just stay focused. I think if, if, if what he does now in the offseason and how he prepares himself, see, one of the things coming out of college, I think the biggest factor is young men need to learn how to become a professional football player versus just being a player. It's it's, it's a difference, and I think you know your workouts, your things you do on the offseason, uh, your commitment, um, you know, making sure that you're on time, making sure you know every inch of the playbooks and. And you know, just the little things that you can tweak, you know, even even your your rush coming off the line of scrimmage, some of the things that you know Jim Jeffco and and um Randy White and those guys had to learn as a defensive group uh being with the Cowboys. I think that's what helped young players. If you can get in that playbook and learn all the different secrets and insights, I think that's what makes a difference. And and hopefully, you know, it's gonna be some couple of ex-giants walking through those locker rooms. And whenever you have those guys coming through that, you need to grab them and say, can I talk to you? And I think one of the things that I've seen when I go to the PF Rep meeting, these young players are afraid to talk to the older guys. I think that's so important that you get a chance to, to talk to the, to the young, older guys and just, just see what they what their thoughts were and just embrace them and, and get, get some of that knowledge that they have. You know, I mean, Jack, Jack I think Jack brought up a good point as far as Maybe he wasn't a number five pick. But on teams, you know, a real good teams like the Cowboys were, like the Giants were at one time, they always had that older defensive end around who was 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 really good. And he could take the younger defensive end to the side and show him a lot of different things. And the Giants really didn't have that with Thibodeau coming in. There was no Michael Strahan there to show him the ropes or, or somebody like that that could – could teach him how to become a defensive end. So he's kind of learning on his own to me, Byron. Yeah, yeah, and that, that's and that's why I say uh, hopefully we get some guys to come in and visit throughout the year. You know, the alumni weekend is is, a, is an important time when time factor when guys that you don't see every day, 
and just grab them and talk to them. I think if Thibodeau can learn to do that, I think he'll have an advantage. And he gets some insight knowledge that uh, they can take to the next level. Well, he had that one sensational game against the Washington Commanders, okay? But he didn't build on that. He didn't build on that. It, it was like he's more concerned with being a highlight reel, getting a big sack, flexing his muscles, you know, doing a little dance in front of the camera, showing he's the man. But consistency wins football games. I mean, the occasional big play, I know you need it at the end of the game, but that doesn't win games. Consistency, grinding wins games. He's not a grinder. I think I'm going to write him and, and send him a note and, and, and see if I can get him to maybe write that. That, that's, that, that is so important, though, Jack. And I do, I do agree with you. And I think that's the problem with these young players. They want, you know, they want to be seen. They want the social media highlights and things like that. And I think that's a difference. And I think if he can, if he don't, if he can get a tweak here and a tweak there, maybe he can become the player that he needs to become. Yeah. You know, Barbara, when you come on, you talk a lot about special teams, how important they are to a team. You know, it's mm -hmm. a third, a third of the game, and a lot of times those will will either help you win a game or even win a big game. If you get a punt return, kickoff return, your punter's really good, anything like that, your field goal kicker, of course. Right. So they, they, they went and changed one of the rules on punt return and a kickoff return where all you got to kind of do is put your hand up, do a fair catch, no matter where you are behind the 25, you automatically get it in a 25-yard line. So, of course, the NFL is looking at the safety but all the things I've seen from the talk shows, from players, from coaches, they hate the rule, Byron. Absolutely. And, and I, I think this is taking some of the excitement out of the game. You're not, you know, if you can get just get the ball out of 25 without, uh, you know, returning it and getting hurt, uh, a lot of the the the, uh, the returners are going to do that, Byron. It kind of takes the edge off the game in special teams. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, everybody's upset about that. Even Andy Reid talking about you might well just – Put play flag football. And I think, you know, we grew up, and you know this, man, we grew up knowing that if you get to kick, kick the ball inside the five and 10 yard line and, and keep the office having to start on that end of the football field, you have an advantage. And, and that's what it's all about game, a field position. Remember, we always talked about that. And special team is, is what you do. You, that's, your, that's part of the game that you put, put these teams in a bad field position. And you want them inside the 10 and 20 yard line, not on the 25. Now you're giving every advantage to the offense. And you know, I just I'm an offensive minded guy, and I just hated that now you're getting the offense a better chance of, uh, of 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 scoring and making the game not what it's meant to be played. This game is meant to be played on strategy, uh field position, um, you know, making sacks and keeping the keeping the you know, keeping the field, keeping the offense. From getting first downs, and that's that's what it's all about, and that's always be that's what's that's what's excited about watching the games, and now you're putting the ball on the 25 yard line. I mean, that's had to be a a huge uh, sickening thing to happen this weekend in the National Football League. Look, Roger Goodell claims that most injuries occur on the kickoffs, that they're trying you know to do this for safety, but. From what I understand, they have the option of running it back and not taking it on the 25-yard line. Yeah. So the team doesn't have to fair catch it if they don't want to. They can run it back. 
But in all honesty, the 25-yard line is decent field position. I would settle for that every time because when we see a, a kick returner return the ball back, let's say he gets to the 32-yard line, we say, oh, what a nice kick return. That's only an additional seven yards, and that's for a really good kick return. Most of the time they return kicks and they get stopped at the 22, 23-yard line anyway. So, I mean, it's like the extra point. They miss it once in a while, but it's become so automatic in a way you want to shake it up and make things a little more interesting. But, Jack, this is what you just stop to think about what you just said. I'm, I'm glad they moved the extra point back because now a lot of kickers have been missing the extra points and make the game a lot to keep the teams in the game. So now you want to create, you're, in a, you're a professional, you want to make the game harder. I, I can say if you get a fair catch, put it on the 15-yard line inside the 20 uh, versus the 25. I mean, you got 75 yards to go for a touchdown. I mean, these guys are professional football players. You supposed to make the game a little bit harder and a little bit complicated to where you have to be challenged to, in order to play on this level. You know, I think now these players are not challenging. That's why you got too many guys, you know, showcasing and, and doing some extra stuff. If fair catch, you you can put a lineman back there to fair catch. If that's the case, I mean, come on, make the game exciting. Yeah, there's something I meant to ask you. I just don't understand this about football. Last play of the game, a team needs a touchdown to win. They've got the ball at their own 25-yard line. Let's say they have 75 yards to go in one play. I can't figure this out for the life of me. They're throwing these laterals back and forth. Now, the same principle applies to when I play touch football. You just fling the darn football as far as you can. You send your receivers out. I don't care if they're triple teamed. Send them out. Tell them run as fast as you can. And I'll throw it as far as I can. So just scramble around, buy a little time, and fling it down the field. But why don't they do that? Instead, they're throwing these... Silly laterals, which they hardly have a prayer of, you know, executing. You're absolutely right. That, that's the that's philosophy of some of the coaches. I mean, some that, of the coaches. That's dumb. Coach. It's dumb. I'm, I know I'm – I thought I was missing something here. Just send the guys down the field, even if it's as little as one guy. Uh, you know, I mean, they can't hold him when he's down the field because the game doesn't end on the penalty. So then you'll get another play closer. But they, it's hard. It's hard to throw those long balls down there when you got three defenders and one wide receiver. But, but but you might get a deflection. But let the receiver just run as fast as he can. May you have a better chance of getting lucky that way and a deflection or whatever. Well, this is this is why I want to say so. So Matt, you coached a lot. You coach and you. What would be your philosophy on that? What would you do? What 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 style of play would you have on the last play? Well, it, it, it would depend. I, I, you know, a lot of people put their receivers back there in coverage when when they're throwing the flea, uh, any kind of pass down. Yeah. Like that. Hail Mary, Hail Mary. Yeah. I I used to do the hook and ladder. Sometimes it worked. Sometimes it didn't. I Not for the know. last play of the game, man. Yeah, Not a to, hook and ladder. I used to, run, last... I used to run the. I remember the old Dolphins. I I got it from uh, Don Shula, who ran right. on the last play and they scored a touchdown. And right. that's what I that's what I would call that was before the half. No one had ever seen that at that till that point. Right. 
Well, I, I threw it downfield a couple times at work because everybody came towards the guy that caught the ball. Guys trailed him. He pitched it and he scored a touchdown. Sometimes it didn't work. I mean, it's it's just it's you know it's a chance you take at the end of the game. I mean, that's it's a hard call. It's a hard call. What what I, what I used to doing, we had three receivers on one side. And they put they put another seat on the other side, and the three go down. And then just depending on what the defense does, then you can either throw it to your fast receiver that's on the single side. Or you have that one receiver go, and then the three guys tip the ball, and then the the the, the fast receiver come in and uh, maybe get the reflection of the ball, get, you know, get the deflection of the ball. So those are some of the things that I would I would try to do if I was coaching because those things work. I'd rather do that than keep throwing the ball on the. Yeah, I don't like that. I don't like the ball. Just like what happened last year, you know, uh, one of the teams got a touchdown. Uh, at the last second, which a couple of weeks in a row, it didn't make sense. Yeah, I think that was the Bears and the Patriots, or one of those games where the where the defense Cardinals or somebody. Yeah, yeah one of those teams. I don't know. Yeah. I forget, but they were trying to do that lateral thing. You know, I mean, I I mean, there's so many things you could do with. You could run a draw. You could have somebody follow the running back. I mean, it depends if you need a touchdown or a field. It's 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 a tough call. I mean, it's just. You know, but one of the things I was going to say, you always try to get the receiver to find the open area of the field. Sure. But, you know, because there, there always be a, there's a hole somewhere because of the defense so far back. But, yeah, it's it's a lot of little things that you can do, but you need to work on those type plays sometimes. And, and and a lot of coaches do, whether it's whether, you know, a lot, a lot of coaches work in situational football. So they have one more rule that they put in. It's a three-quarterback rule. And that has to be because of what happened in San Francisco and Philadelphia where, you know, they didn't have a quarterback available and they had, you know, the, the player uh, McCaffrey at quarterback and the game was pretty much over when they put him there. So you can carry him on your roster, uh, Byron, and you can bring him in for the game, I think it is, if you both your quarterbacks go down and it doesn't right. count against you or something like that. Uh, what do you think? Is that a – Good rule, or, or I think that's that's a no brainer. I think that's a good rule. I think you need three quarterbacks. I mean, yeah. with this day and time, with the injuries and, and the way the game is played, I mean, and plus you had a long eighteen week season, so you, yeah, I think that's a good rule. I think every team need that. You need three good quarterbacks. You need three quarterbacks the way you can be able to utilize them because injuries have piled up in the last two years for its quarterbacks. I don't know. I don't know if I like the rule or not. I think I think you should have that one uh, that one player that can play quarterback, running back, slash wide receiver on your on your squad. Uh, you know, I, I takes up a roster spot that I mean need for something else. I don't know. Well, right now, what you, you, you mentioned with the 49ers, the playoff game, uh, they're going to be starting the season with either Brock Purdy or Sam Donald as a starter. Reportedly, Brock. Purdy is going to be ready to go by the season opener. He's making good progress. And with Trey Lance, I guess he'll be available too, but he's not going to be starting. So they're going to have three quarterbacks there, and they're not going to cut Trey Lance. They invested too much in him. And if they could have their way, they, the Niners would want Trey Lance to win the job because it would validate the trade they made. But I think – by the end of the season, Sam Donald's going to be the 49er quarterback. I think he's going to be the best of the three when all is said and done. I mean, Brock Purdy did a wonderful job last year managing the games. Wonderful. Kudos to him. 
but I don't think he's the long-term answer necessarily. And I think this is Sam Donald's opportunity. I think Sam can improve somewhat. And with the weapons around them, he could be the man. Because I think he has a stronger arm than Brock Purdy does. So, you know, we'll see how it plays out. But it's interesting, the 49er quarterback room, Donald, Purdy, and Lance, how that's going to play out this season. Yeah, I think that's that's exciting for them. I think that's really good because all three quarterbacks got the capability to take the team to the Super Bowl. I, I think Darnold. I think I think Darnold starts the season. I think if he does well, it's his job. Um, I think Brock Purdy. You know, even though he'll be ready, he'll still be rusty. So I, if I was the 49ers, I'd start Darnold. Darnold plays well. Keep playing him until until he doesn't. You know, and then uh, you know, I think it's crazy to keep uh, to keep that third quarterback. But Trey Lance is just it's just he's not a good quarterback. I know all teams. I, I agree with Byron. I think all teams. You really need three quarterbacks, especially in this day and age. I mean, if if one quarterback goes down, I even if he even if it doesn't happen during the game, he. During the week, you decide he can't play. What, you're down to one quarterback? I mean, that's a nervous situation over there, too. You know, the quarterback situations around the league are intriguing for some of the teams, like the Colts drafting Anthony Richardson fourth overall, but they made a deal to get Minshew. Now we don't know who's going to be starting that. It's like they're rooting for Anthony Richardson to start, and even though he didn't have a great deal of success in college, He's a phenomenal athlete, and the NFL has become a you know running league for quarterbacks now. If a quarterback is a great runner, and Anthony Richardson is apparently that, he might be able to get by even if he's just mediocre in the pocket. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see because I still say you, you need all two to three good quarterbacks on that roster. And uh, and the way well, the injuries, Minshew Richardson. It's just gonna be material. It gonna it gonna depend on how how things go in the next in the OTAs. I mean, uh, off season always dictate you know who can pick up the, the, the playbook the fastest, and you know of course Minshew is gonna have the advantage because he he know the speed of the game. He know everything. He got a little bit more a lot more experience, and I just think too that uh, you don't want to throw. A rookie in too early because you can really mess up his his career. And I think sometimes these teams have been doing that. And I think you need to still let Richards learn, stop, and, and learn the game and see it from a different perspective. But the problem is, if you play someone else like Minshew, he might have a really good season. So how but, do you start the next season with Richardson? Something at Carolina, which I think is going to be an easier fit. I'm not sure whether Bryce Young is starting or Andy Dalton. I get the feeling Bryce Young will start, but Andy Dalton went there thinking he was going to start and not knowing, you know. But I don't think Bryce Young is carrying a clipboard. But what no I love way. about what I love about Andy Dalton, he 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 he's a team player, and he he gonna teach he gonna teach uh, Bryce Young everything he needs to know in that in that in the in the uh, in the film room. And I, I think he, you know, he's great uh, leader on uh, because of his experience. I just think he's just a good component of being, having having him on that team. So whatever they need of him or what they ask of him, he's gonna do. That's what I love about Andrew Dorn. I have a feeling. I have a feeling. I don't know if they should or not. I think they're gonna start Richardson. I think they start uh, Bryce Young. I think they start 
<laughs> all the top, all the top five quarterbacks. I, I, I think I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Levitt's make gets a start. I, I don't know anymore. I, I, you got Tannehill. Tannehill should start, but if he doesn't play well, if he starts throwing interceptions, I can see him moving Levitt's in there this year. I can see it happening. It's, it's the way it is now. And, and plus, you know, I, I always consider practice and what they do on the on the fit on the game uh, and practice through the week. Uh, OTAs. I think they they get a good uh, reason to see what these guys can do. I think they get they're gonna get tested anyway. So I think it just depends on uh, between what between nine and training camp and and uh, preseason games. Yeah, Zach we'll talk- Wilson has been looking good out here in training camp. Yeah, he's he always that. He's looking very good. But he, he don't. He's not under the gun. I mean, he's more relaxed now. I think yeah. you take the game in for what it's worth, and you know you don't have that added pressure. Yeah, I don't think there's a lot of pressure at all. He ain't starting this year, so. <laughs> but I think that's good as far as regaining the trust of his teammates. He won't be starting, but they see him and practice with an upbeat attitude, playing really well in practice and thinking to themselves, wow, I mean, Zach can come in and, you know, and give us a lift if we absolutely need him. But I, Aaron Rodgers is the man. I mean, it all revolves around him. But but now you know he can. He, he you know now he can come in and learn from Aaron Rodgers, and then when he gets the 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 knob the next time, I think he'd be ready to go. I mean, which is good. That may be what is need. That's what's needed. But but you never know. There's never a timeline. It's easy to say when you get the chance. For you know, Rodgers will play a few years. But you know what? When you sit back there and you can watch Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers, uh, some of these guys who, you know, Peyton Manning, if you, you know, Drew Brees, and you, yeah, you, and then you go in there and play. I have seen the backward quarterbacks come in and do a tremendous job, and I think that's good to have that 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 comfort level to where you get the confidence, you get the, you, you know, you get the team leadership, you get the morale, you get the professionalism, and that these guys show you how to how to do it. That's why. Uh, these young players, whenever, like I said, whenever a veteran walks through your locker room, grab them and talk to them. That's what I don't think enough. It should be the well, 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 it should be the opposite way. The veteran should grab the younger player if it's but, an iconic veteran. But you I know, mean, you got these guys with these headphones on. Well, Jack, you got these guys with these headphones on. I mean, yeah. they they in their own little space, and you know, it's all about you know, it, it's a different, it's a different generation you just can't i mean i understand going up and talking to them but they don't want they need to want it themselves i mean you need to want it yeah yeah no, well of course but some of them might be in awe of you know some of the giant legends a harry carson walks in they could be in awe of him and lt you know they might not necessarily walk up to him unless it's a star player maybe they would then compare notes like the other day, like even the Yankee game, Aaron Judge sees Pete Rose behind home plate, you know, in the case that he went over there and he exchanged some nice words with Pete Rose. But if it's a lesser player than Aaron Judge, then or Pete Rose, they don't go over to him. You think so? Like even myself, I was at a box, listen, a boxing function, okay? Uh, Boxing Writers Association of America's awards banquet in 2006 in Las Vegas. Sylvester Stallone was being on it. And I was a vice president at the time. I later became a president. But he was at another table. 
And I was too much in awe of him to go over and say anything. Stallone, I'm just like eyeing him with, you know, the guy sitting next to me. He probably would think the same thing you were thinking. <laughs> Jack, Jack, I he didn't, didn't even know I, I existed. Oh, he know he know who you were. He know you. Everybody know you, Jack. But let me yes. let me say this though, Jack. What do you think? Uh, who do you think gonna win that uh, the Crawford fight? Oh, that's a little. Uh, uh, you know, it's a two fight deal. I w I want to see the press conference before it's official. Official. It's very probably going to take place late July now. Uh, I knew it was going to take place last November, but now, you know, as time went by, I felt it finally would because both guys had nowhere to go, no other options. They signed a two-fight deal, meaning if it's 1-1, one, one, they might even have a third fight. If they do that three in a row, that would actually be good for boxing. Uh, I'm not so sure now. I would have said Crawford beforehand, but, you know, he's 36. He was getting hit in his last fight. Mm -hmm. I would think Crawford would win, you know, the first fight between the two of them, because I think Crawford is a great fighter. Spence is a very, very, very good fighter. So I think there's a the little difference, you know. It's like comparing Randy Moss to Steve Largent, for example, uh -huh. okay? You know, Randy Moss has that little extra. That's how I look at Terrence Crawford. But, you know, you get a little older towards the end of your career, all bets are off all of a sudden. But, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll be going with Crawford in the fight. Yeah, okay. I, I, that's what I want to know because I, I need to bet Jim Jeffcoat. So I'm trying to get him to go with Spence so I can get, get, my money, get some money from him. Well, no, it doesn't mean I'm going to be right. I mean, no, I'm, I'm just saying, saying though. I agree yeah. with you. Though. I, I, uh, I agree with you. I, I like Crawford as well. I seen Crawford play uh, box here in Arlington when he came to UTA uh, about five or six years ago. He, you know, he had a fight here. But you know, I, I, I always have like Crawford. I, I saw him a couple of years ago at Disney World with his whole family. I, I said, man, this guy is this kind of guy I like. Somebody that you know, family oriented. You know he loves his mom and all that type of stuff. So he 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 know how to fight. He know how to hit. He know how to fight. Yeah, yeah. He's a very quiet guy. I had him come to a banquet from this big banquet, this group Ring Eight, mm -hmm. at that time uh, when I was a president of that group, and he sat next to me on the dais there, and he was very accommodating to everybody who would come over to him. But he was a quiet guy. He wasn't that personable. It wasn't that he was unfriendly, more like a shy guy, a quiet guy. Yeah. You know, yeah. you could engage him in conversation. You could joke with him and he would smile. You know, there were no airs about him. He was just kind of like another guy, you know, like uh, quiet, quiet, humble. But you want to see a little more personality come out. You know, he's got it. Like, you know, Sugar Ray Leonard had all the personality in the world, right? Yeah. I mean, that's what made him like a Sugar Ray Leonard would smile, would talk. These guys have to know they've got to speak out a little more, you exactly. know, in a certain sense. But, you know, people are what they are. If they're quiet, they're quiet. But uh, but the public wants to hear the guy talk. He yeah, they do. They really do. He, he, he does his talking in the ring. So, Byron... Yeah. Uh, uh, we're gonna go ahead and take a break. You, you got to get going, I would imagine. You got a busy day. I, I got so much stuff going. I got to get it going, but I I enjoy talking to y'all because I learned so much. 
of Yahweh. I got a lot to do too, Mac. Why is he dismissed and I'm not? Uh, because He's got uh, a, this is like a team meeting. He's this is the Mac and Jack show. Yeah, tell him it's the Mac and Jack show. That's right. All right, Barry, you take care. Yeah. And folks, we're going to be showing you some of the great shows on our network here in a promotion break. We'll be right back after these promotions. He was a giant, and he was a cowboy. Now these two former rivals have joined forces to bring you the most insightful, perceptive, and controversial sports talk podcast in America. Former Dallas Cowboys defensive end Jim Jeffcoat locks horns with former New York Giants wide receiver Byron Williams. And now, here's Byron Williams and Jim Jeffcoat. If you like the sweet science, get ready to talk boxing on the Gloved Fist podcast with top boxing writers Frank Letirzo and Jack Hirsch. Frank, a former amateur boxer out of Philadelphia, writes for NY Fights and can be seen on the Boxing Channel. Jack, an amateur boxer who competed in the New York Golden Gloves, was a six-term president of the Boxing Writers Association. And now, here's Frank Letirzo and Jack Hirsch. It just might be the greatest sports franchise in the history of sports. A place where legends are made and there's always something to talk about. Get ready to immerse yourself in pinstripes. Start spreading the news. Hosted by Paul Semendinger and E.J. Fagan. A couple of doctors with a prescription for Yankee fever. And now, here's Dr. Paul Semendinger and Dr. E.J. Fagan. Get ready to start spreading the news. right now without LeBron, Lakers are, are struggling. Let me tell you about a team I hate, all right? I know the Dallas Cowboy fan is here, so I had to make sure he knew how much I hate this Oh, team. I'm ready. I've often said that the people who run baseball, they try very hard to ruin it. I'm not Brooklyn. I don't have a problem saying it to his face. Oh, Brooklyn. Hey, is it This is a presentation of Northeast Streaming Sports. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to the Mac and Jack Sports Show here on your Friday edition. I'm your host, Mac, with your co-host, Jack, who just did a little uh, boxing talk with Byron about who he thinks will win uh, the fight coming up between Crawford and Spence's Jack says they have a two-fight deal, which would be great. Um, maybe, maybe it ends up to a, a trilogy or something like that. Well, that, that, that's a patent boxing today for big, big matchups. They make it a two-fight deal, you know, a lot of the time. That's the only way they can get the fighters to fight because they figure they get two paydays. If you lose the first one, you get a chance of the second one. So the two paydays seem very lucrative. Do you think, Jack, this, this fight went on too too late? I mean, do you think that it lost some of its steam, or do you think it doesn't really matter? It lost a little bit of its luster. Can it regain it? I think it actually can, because it it wasn't delayed an exorbitant amount of time like the Mayweather-Pacquiao fight. Let's face it, Mayweather-Pacquiao was about five years too late. It should have taken place about five years before by the time they fought, they were still very good fighters, but they weren't quite at their peak. Yet it did record-making business. I mean, it did a ridiculous amount of views, and it made a fortune of money for all concerned. 
Good morning, Keith. How are you doing today? Hello, gentlemen. How are you? Great. Keith Angle from TGI Sports Talk comes with us every Friday and mostly every Sunday, unless he's on a cruise somewhere. If he's on a happy, cruise, happy to be here. Jack, happy birthday to your wife again. Yes. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I'll let him know that. Yes. So, Keith. Oh, yeah. Who's at the, who's at the racetrack over there? What's going on? <laughs> Yeah. I, I'm coming live from the Indianapolis 500 today. <laughs> I, I got to tell you guys, to be in store for something, okay? I'm going to be moving soon, but not far from the railroad. So once in a while doing this show, you're going to hear the Long Island Railroad zooming by. Okay. Very Sweet. I, I won't put it on mute just to annoy you, Mac. Thank you very much. That's why I didn't put that on mute. You know what's funny, Not, and this will be off the. But I'm moving away from the train tracks. We're not far from the uh, Rensselaer train station here in uh, near Albany, and uh, we're moving away from it. We don't hear a lot of it, but I'll miss it at night. It's kind of soothing when I hear them go by at night. Oh, so. no kidding! All right, cool. So, Keith, the Patriots have caught cheating again. Uh, everybody's making a big deal. Yeah, because it's a really important thing that they did. They didn't tell him about a scheduled meeting. Come on. Yes, well, I heard it was a little too much contact at the OTAs. That's what uh, well, well, the way I read it was that they – and they probably had a meeting they weren't – because you only have so many meetings, you only have so many this. They didn't tell the league about this unscheduled meeting. You know what? The NFL needs to stop micromanaging this kind of – who cares about an extra meeting for crying out loud? But whatever. So we lose two practices. It's not the yeah. end of the world. Yes, well, Danny and Tomlinson had the best all-time line about the Patriots saying that if they're not cheating, they're not trying. Yeah. There you I go. Belichick might have said that once or twice. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you know what? You know what's annoying is every time, and again, I know that they've brought this on themselves. I get this, right? But every time, I, even this little, tiny, little infraction, every time I hear it, I've got to read on every article I read. It's got to have a laundry list of everything they've ever been accused of. Yeah. Oh, anyway. They're, they're like, you know, they're the new Raiders of the AFC. You know what I mean? Seems so, to be. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Yes, Keith. Yeah. Um, you know, I, it's OTAs. Or, I, you know, today you can't hit. You can't have meetings. You can't, you know, you can't do all the stuff you used to be able to do. Um, what is, what is, what is that fine of two OTAs anyway? I, I, I mean, they, I mean they're, they're mainly on their tablets and going through, you know, all the other other plays that way and that they can play catch outside with somebody else if they want. Well, you know what they could have, and the players can get together and do whatever they want. So, I mean. I'm sure that Bill might have mentioned to a couple of them, you know, you might want to get these because there's a lot of new guys in camp and OT. I'm not, I don't, I don't want to say OTs aren't important because they are, um, especially when you've got a lot of new people you're trying to integrate and you've got a new offense you're trying to integrate and, you know, um, but they can easily, Mac Jones could easily say, listen, guys, we're going to get together on our own over here, at, you know, to East side field and flowers uh, on some of the new plays Bill gave me. Sure, sure. Um, and this isn't really Patriots news, but Tom Brady will always be associated with the with the Patriots. He is now a mi minority owner of the Raiders. Um, why not a minority owner of the Patriots, Keith? Why the Raiders? Uh, well, there are no, my, no minority owners of the Patriots. Probably that's why. I mean, the Kraft, Bob Kraft owns and the family owns 100% of that team. And I don't think that'll ever change. 
Um, he could have come in and maybe have been part of the organization, but I think he wants that. I, and again, I don't really know um, how much of a stake he has in his team. I doubt Mark Davis sold a lot of it himself. Uh, it's been a family-owned organization, too, for a long time. Uh, decades, right? So um, would, I re- would I rather see him associated with the Patriots? Absolutely. But I just don't think Bob Kraft is going to say, hey, uh, let me give you you know 4% of the team. Do you think Belichick would have had a weird reaction if Brady was a, even a minority owner of the Patriots? Yeah, I'm not sure that he, you know, I'm sure, again, I think we talked about it last week. I, th- I think him and Tom will have a nice warm uh, res- get together uh, opening night. Um, but if Tom were around the building a lot, I think it might be a little weird. Yeah. I think Belichick is very concerned about his image in regards to Brady because when Brady first left, reportedly, Belichick didn't even meet with him immediately afterwards. And as time went by, he kind of wanted to clear things up, Belichick. He didn't want to be looked at as having an association with his quarterback all those years. And now, you know, and it being a cold one, you know, you kind of want to warm relationship like Don Shula had with Dan Marino, Floyd yeah. Tom Coughlin and Eli Manning. And I think that bothered Belichick, the image part of it. Yeah, I think yeah, I think, I think it's, it's uh, I know where I'm getting an echo from now, but um I wasn't there a second ago. Um I think it's gone. Um yeah I think he is very conscious of that because it did he didn't look at he didn't make a secret of the fact necessarily that he wanted Tommy gone two years before he went. So, um, you know, that whole thing was very awkward at the end. Um, And I think Belichick would like to see some of that awkwardness go away, which is why I think you'll see a very warm reception between the two of them uh, during this ceremony. Um, And Belichick, I think probably he'll never admit it, but I think he knows that, you know, his success it's been driven home the last three years is really tied to Tom Brady more than he probably would like to have admitted before he was ready to jettison him. And even before he did. So he's got to admit it even inside, if he doesn't say it out loud, he's got to understand that that's. You kind of wonder Keith, how it would have played out if Tom Brady never left new England, let's say Robert Kraft stood firm. Brady's not leaving on any circumstances. And if Brady didn't want to leave. Yeah. Chances are Belichick wouldn't have resigned. The odds are he wouldn't have. Maybe he would have. Odds are he wouldn't. And no. Brady, the rest of Brady's career would have played out. Obviously, there wouldn't have been a Super Bowl victory in that. But it's interesting to think how it would have then ended. Well, we don't know that there wouldn't have been a Super Bowl victory in there. I mean, don't forget they were 12-4 and four the last year that he played. They didn't play good in the playoffs against the Titans. But they could have improved if they brought in Stevenson like they did. We don't know what happens, you know, because of the whole doc, the whole butterfly effect, right? Because things, everything changes if this one thing does. So they could have won a Super Bowl. They could have continued on the decline they went on anyway. Very unlikely if Brady was the quarterback. But um, it would have been an untenuous situation, though, if, if, if Kraft forced that situation, which he and he knew that. There's a book called, uh, I think it's Dynasty that I read not too long ago that really went in depth into this uh, chapter in Patriots history. And Kraft did not want this to happen, but he realized at the end of the day, he had to, he just had to let it happen. He stopped it once before and, and, uh, and he knew he couldn't do it again because it wouldn't be good for the team. 
People don't, people don't realize how it would have played out. Jimmy Garoppolo came so close to winning a Super Bowl with the Niners. You know, one completion away, perhaps. And had he won that Super Bowl with the Niners, imagine what they would have then been saying. Oh, that the Patriots got rid of the wrong guy. They should have gotten rid of Brady, not Garoppolo. Well, Bill Belichick probably would have been saying that because he would have been saying that to Kraft. Exactly. He's the one one who wanted to move. I told you, you know, you forced me to do this, this. I really wanted Jimmy G. We could have won the Super Bowl with Jimmy G. Well, the thing is, it isn't like it isn't like Kraft said one or the other, right? Belichick kind of traded Garoppolo out of spite because he wouldn't let he wasn't allowed to move on and play him. So he said, "I'll then I'll trade him and get a second round draft pick and move on." So, he did, he did. listen, I don't think the Patriots would have been any better the last three years with Jimmy Garoppolo either. To be honest with you, no, I, I really don't. Uh, anything going? Catching your eye coming out of the OTAs that you that you've seen or, or read about? Um, by all, by all accounts, uh, Mac Jones has looked very very good uh, in OTAs. Again, we're walking around in shorts and you know no pads probably and no helmets. I don't know if, who knows what they're doing, but uh, by all accounts, he's he's uh, really reacting well to the new offense and and uh, he's looked very good. His attitude has been really good. The coaches have all commented on it, and that's very. That's a stark difference from last year this time because he was struggling big time with the new offense they were trying to put in. Um, and I think it's very important that his confidence level, you know, returns to where it was. And, again, OTAs are important for those types of things, new offenses and and building up that confidence before you get to training camp here in a couple of months. You know, you know, uh, uh, I think it was Belichick who said it, it's, a, it's a competition between Zappi and uh, between Mac Jones, I don't think that's true. I think it's Mac Jones's job to lose. It is, and I think again, this is another way Belichick's trying to motivate his quarterback. There's no, I don't think there's a real competition here. He'll he'll say there is. Uh, he'll probably continue to say it through at least a good part of training camp, if not all of it. Um, but unless Mac Jones completely falls on his face, this is his job. I agree. Well, speaking of the Yankees, they were the hottest team in baseball. They were eight and two. They come into the Baltimore Orioles. They lose the last two games. Um, yeah, I mean, you're you're going to win some series. You're going to lose some series. Maybe we haven't been taking the Baltimore Orioles for 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 what they are—a really good team now, Keith. Baltimore is very good, and again, they got out to this horrible start last year. So it's been about a year. Once they start, they got really hot. If you remember, they they won I don't know twelve or thirteen in a row uh, around this time last year. So they're this isn't a fluke. They've been playing really good baseball for a year now, and you know you, you keep you, sometimes you look at the lineup and you go, how do these guys do it? I mean, th- there's no big names that people think of right up. I mean, there's some good players. Don't get me wrong, uh, but there aren't uh, the, the superstars that are in almost every other lineup that they're going to be competing against. Even the Rays have Wander Franco and, and you know and, and a couple of uh, really good pitchers. Yeah. So if this team's pitching holds up, I think they're going to be fine. They came back the other night, uh, two games ago, I think, and I've been like out and a lot of stuff going on, so I haven't seen a lot of the games this week. But they were up. Yankees were up. I thought uh, I don't know four or five runs, and they're losing a game by four or five runs in the yeah. late innings. So 
you know, the, the Yankees are have played better baseball, obviously, the last couple of weeks. I was impressed with Clark Schmidt yesterday, who I like a lot. He's pitched much better the last uh, few weeks. He got off to a really rough start, and I think it's a good sign that he's pitching well. Um, I still think this team will be fine, but you got to win these division games because there's less. You're you're playing less division games than ever, and I think it makes it more important that you win them when you when you have that opportunity. So, Orioles win an interesting matchup this weekend against the Rangers. So uh, that'll be an interesting be series. Watch. Yeah, it should be a good series. Rondon is throwing. He's not on the mound yet. They're working him back. Um, you know, does he pitch this year, Keith? I mean, does I I I, I don't know. Does he re Injure his back again. I, mean, I have my doubts. I mean, two weeks ago, the stories were he wasn't going to pitch all year, and his wife took to Twitter to say that was BS. Um, but I don't know. I got to see the guy before I'm going to say anything. You know, here we're we're heading into June pretty quick, and we haven't had an Anthony Rondon sighting yet. And there's no timetable that I'm aware of. I, yeah, he's throwing the baseball, but that doesn't mean a lot. I mean, you were throwing the baseball in the yard, too. Keith. Yeah, I could go throw the baseball, and I'm not ready to return to the Yankees. I can tell you that. Me either. Um, you know, Cole, Cole has been pitching really well lately. It seems like he's going through a little slump. He's giving up the long ball again. Uh, mm-hmm. My card is now back in my hand. It was revoked for a while. We'll, we'll see how this ends up. I mean, listen, Cole has been pitching great all year. Uh, he's really he's really uh, out there. He's pitching seven, eight innings, so – I mean, yeah. maybe he just needs a little rest here before we uh, go into that final run. He'll be fine. I mean, every pitcher is going to have these little dips, and you know, don't don't jump off the bandwagon after you just got back on it. I mean, All it right. took us two years to get you back on the bandwagon for crying out. It did. Uh, you know, listen, Cola's Cola's the the best pitcher the Yankees got by far. So, I mean, what else are you going to do? I mean, we don't have a Rondon. Nestor Cortez isn't doing so well right now. They need Nestor to get it going, and, and Severino being healthy will be huge to his team's uh, uh, chances as we move later in the season. He needs to stay healthy. That's more important to me than Rendon ever pitching a game, to be honest with you, is that Severino stays healthy. Do you think they figured out Cortez? I mean, Cortez last year, he ended up he ended up developing that big breaking ball that was almost yeah. unhittable. Have they figured him out, or is he just having a bad season? I'd like to think he's just having a, a tough start to his season. He was hurt, you know, in spring training a lot, so he's still kind of rounding into form. But it's possible they catch up with him, you know, and, and he might be falling in love with some of that herky-jerky stuff that, you know, I mean, it's fun to watch, but, you know, he's not Louis Tion out there. Just, no, he's not. Sometimes no, he's you just got to pitch. I think he'll be fine. Listen, he was never an overpowering guy, right? And he's got to be very, very um, – um, focused and accurate to to be successful, and I, I think he's still rounding into form after being hurt in spring training. So I'll reserve judgment for another month. How about that? Okay. Will Donaldson be the next player designated for assignment? I can only hope so. Yes. No, I'll no, st- no, no. They're not going to have. They wouldn't have him go through all that rehab to designate him for assignment. Why? <laughs> he'll be given. Maybe he'll be given a short leash when he comes yeah. back. If he doesn't hit over a few games, maybe they'll move on from him quick. Kind of like what the Mets did with Gary Sanchez. Gary Sanchez six at bats, one for six, and they just moved right on. And they cut him basically. Yeah, I mean they just took a flyer. What would it have mattered? What happens if Gary Sanchez went three for six? Would he still be on the Mets? I mean, was it that precarious? With two home runs, Keith. 
What's it get two home runs and six at bats? They wouldn't have cut him then because the PR would would have been bad. Why did you bring him up? He did well, you know. So they, they would have stood with him a while. You they brought him. Up. They had no choice. They brought him up because they had no choice. Is when he signed a contract said he had to be brought to the majors by that date. So the Mets brought him up just to see if they catch lightning in a bottle. Probably they had some some uh, depth issues at catcher anyway. So I said last week that by the time we talked again, I think I said it on my Sunday show. Um, by the time we talked again, Gary Sanchez wouldn't be a Met. So it was like a tease. Yeah, that they did have a couple of those. Uh, depth issues. Nemo, one of their uh, one of their catches, uh, came off injured reserve. Nito. Uh, but Max Scherzer said some nice things about Gary Sanchez catching him that he called a really good game. If Scherzer really meant it, why did they cut him? Unless Scherzer was just trying to be complimentary and say a couple of nice things. But uh, I, I just don't get it. You call a guy up, an established catcher like that, you hope to catch lightning in the bottle, and you don't even unwrap the bottle, basically. You start unwrapping it and take a little peek and then wrap it back up. <laughs> That's you know? a good analogy. It was maybe they just wanted to give him a little showcase so maybe he could get on, catch on with another team. You give him a few games. And I think Scherzer – I watched some of that game, and I saw I, I saw a lot of the old Jerry Sanchez behind the plate. Where, I mean, there's times where you wonder if he's even going to catch the ball for crying out loud. He is he he does not make his pitcher look very good when he's behind the plate. He's all over the place, man. That's so I think this is it for him. I think so. Yeah. I, mean, I I can't see he might go to Japan or someplace, but I think he's yes. done here. Yeah, back Minnesota, to South America. Giants, Mets after the Yankees. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think that's it for him too. Um, will the Michigan Wolverines be ranked number one when the year starts, Keith? No, Georgia Bulldogs will be. Okay, well, I don't, yeah. I, you know, according to their coach. Well. <laughs> According to their coach, they might be ranked number one. So their coach, their, their coach is never short of hyperbole, and uh, they're they're a good football team. Don't get me yeah. wrong, uh, but, and they could be number one at the end of the year. It's possible, yeah. but they won't start the year number one. I think Georgia will. Did they, did they beat Ohio State last year? I'm almost positive they, they did, beat right? Ohio State the last couple of years. Ryan days yeah. and Ryan days on a bit of a hot seat in Ohio State because he's lost to Michigan twice in a row. He hasn't been able to get over the championship hump, hump which nobody else has uh, either outside of the SEC teams recently. Um, so he, it, I think it's a little ridiculous that he'd be on the hot seat at this point, but um, he needs to beat Michigan this year. It's important, I think. To the program. I mean, that's like the standard now. It's not even you, whether you win the division or not. You, does you beat Ohio State or do you meet, beat Michigan? That's that's always been the case there. I mean, you know, guys like after after Woody Hayes and Bo Schembelker were both gone, right? The, every coach was judged by the same standard. John Cooper came in there from Arizona State, had great teams. You know, his record was, I don't know, he won like 90% of his games. But he went one in seven or something like that against Michigan. Yeah. Guess what? That gets you fired. That's you know. Great. We'll go through a little Jets news with Keith. It's AFC East, and we got Jack here. Uh, Roger Strange calf sits out for a day. Says it's not serious. Do you think Jack and Keith? I want your input too. Do you think there's a concern because of Roger's age 
that he might get hurt and all this money and all this stuff they went through, uh, and he gets hurt for a year and maybe it lags on that, that maybe this ends up being a big mistake. Well, you're always concerned, but look at Roger's record of durability. He's been durable over his whole career. He even played hurt last year with the Packers. He attributes that in large part to why he had a little bit of an off year because he's playing with this bad thumb. But it's early on. Players are going to, you know, get tweak, tweak things. So you, you just don't want it to happen during the regular season. So they're going to be extra cautious at this time of the year. No need to rush them back into anything at all. Yeah. Anytime you got a 39 year quarterback, you're going to be concerned. In fact, I guess any quarterback, like Jack says, is the most important part of your team. You certainly have to be concerned about any injury. Um, but again, it, this is a minor thing, and I don't think it's going to carry over very far. And he has been durable, as Jack said. I thought he had an injury that kept him out a couple of years ago for. Uh, a month or so, but maybe I'm. When, when Jordan Love, he was MVP a couple of years ago. So. Yeah, well, when I say a couple, I don't, I don't know the exact year. So, no, yeah. listen, he, listen, there's no doubt that Aaron Rodgers can still play at a high level, right? It, it's all the rest of the stuff is the question with Aaron Rodgers. So, this we'll guy, on the record said this is, I think, this is a smart move for the Jets. It's a no brainer. They didn't have a plan B, their plan B is signed everywhere else. So you got a two-year window here to win a Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers, and or it could totally implode. <laughs> but I just wanted a Jets fan's reaction if Rodgers has to get pulled out of a game at home and Zach Wilson runs into the huddle. Will they give Zach Wilson a big hand? Will they try to lift him up to Jet fans, or will they boo? Or will they wait for it like two incomplete passes and then start booing him? I don't know if they'll wait for the two incomplete passes to boom, to be honest with you. <laughs> they just boom. They just boom to boom. Uh, just a, a good thing. They are working out Matt Ariza uh, after the, the uh, rape yeah. allegations have been, you know, uh, have been exonerated. So, you know, he's supposed to be a good punter. So Jets need a good punter. He's supposed to be a great punter. I mean, he yeah. got drafted and signed with Buffalo uh, before this whole thing happened. This is a sad story, right? And, and, and a lot of us, including me, rush to judgment sometimes on these things, and and NFL teams certainly do. Um, and it's a shame because, you know, the question always is after this, where do I go to get my reputation back, right? Because um, he's always going to have this linger over him, even though it all seems to have been a sham. And this, this you know, this none of the people that were charging as I think, are, have been, I think it's been dropped against everybody. Yeah. He wasn't even there. And the videos show that this, you know, that things didn't happen the way that this girl said they did. Let me tell you, reputations, I hate to say this, I really do, don't seem to be as important as they once were. Because you can have a 40-year career, a, a great 40-year career. I'll, let me go a step further. You could be, I'm going to give an example, a guy who had the best possible career, Vince Scully, Right. What a great reputation. But if Vince Scully, at age 85, the wrong word came out of his mouth, he would be fired. Yeah. His reputation would go down. One little slip of the tongue, not meaning something to come out the way it came out. And, and so to me, reputation, now I, I hate to say it in this unforgiving society, in this cancel culture society, 
reputation just isn't as important as it once was. Someone should just look out what's best for number one. Look out for your teammates. Try to do your job the right way. Try to be honorable. But don't worry about your reputation because you could lose it in the snap of a finger. Well, what's funny, Jack, is you're right about the the cancel culture thing. And what you say seems to mean more than what you do. Right. The NFL turns turns the other cheek for and we signed Deshaun Watson to a gazillion dollar contract guaranteed. Right. Ray Lewis is involved in in uh, in God knows what in Atlanta and, and and there's multiple other places. The league is full of, you know, women abusers and gun toters and God knows what else. And we don't worry about that stuff. But if you say the wrong thing or you let the air out of footballs, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. <laughs> and by the way, folks, for the for the new the new audience here, I do have the official Tom Brady. I wanted to give you the opportunity there. Play gate football. I can't throw <laughs> a lot better in cold weather. Um, just, to, just to let you know. It's uh, a lot of money to get that football, I'll tell you. You're absolutely right, though, Jack. It's, it's, it's more it, – and, again, it's sad because it's more what you say than what you do. Yeah. Very true. Uh, Quentin Williams, negotiations are kind of floundering with the big defensive tackle. Yeah. He's now unfollowing the Jets he showed him. He's unfollowing on social media accounts. Um, Jack, you got to get this done as one of the big men on your you need, These players need maturity. Let's say they're franchise tag. Let's say for argument's sake, you're making $12, 15000000 million a year, whatever. You've made money before. Keep that in mind. And let's mm-hmm. say your career does end. You should have eight, nine, ten million dollars, worst case scenario. They, you, know, you should have a heck of a lot of comfort. So the team's entitled to franchise tag a player. They don't have to feel obligated to sign someone. There are rules in place. You play under those rules. If they franchise tag you, that's what your players' union set up. You take the money, you have a good year. You become a free agent, and then you get your big payday. Yeah. But they but they want to speed things along. They want the teams to take all the risk. Are the players going to give the team back money if they get injured the first year? Of course not. Of course not. So he, they as if Quentin Williams wants to be immature about this whole thing, so be it. I wouldn't do anything if I'm the team. I call this bluff. You come and you play, and if he doesn't perform well, Who's going to be hurt? Not only the team, he's hurt on that next contract because the other teams have game film. They're not going to give him the big monster contract he wants if he's a free agent. Yeah. They got some, I mean, they got some cap issues anyway, bringing on that Rogers contract. So, guys, as Jack kind of alluded to, you got to wait your turn sometimes, right? He'll get his money, whether it's from the Jets or somebody else, unless he has a career ending injury. And if he's smart, his people are taking out insurance policies against that anyway. Right. All the players are doing that type of thing. Right. So just sit and wait your turn and be quiet. The, the Jets are in a position to really maybe have a special team. I hate to say that, but you don't need this type of distraction from this guy. You know, so I, I'm with the, I'm with Jack. The team needs to hold its, you know, hold its ground and and franchise them, and then either he shuts up and plays. He can only hurt himself here, right? He can keep that's talking true. or he can come in because he's going to have no choice. Either come in or you don't play football. That's not going to get you money. Right. So come in and play play and play to your, your best of your ability and 
sometimes these guys come in with an attitude and it affects their play and that won't help him either. They're, sometimes I wonder who's uh, uh, advising these guys because it doesn't seem very smart sometimes. They look at Jack said, and, and again, we just talked about society a second ago. This is also a byproduct of our society today. I want everything and I want it all now. I don't want to work where I don't want to wait my turn. I don't want to work for it. I want it now. I want what that guy's got and I want it now. I think the media does play a role, even with coaches who've signed a multi-year deal and they have one year left on the contract and they expect to be extended. But you got a year left. Play the darn year round and then you get a new contract. You're a free agent. If you're that good a coach, you're going to get an offer elsewhere. But the media makes it out, oh, the team doesn't have confidence in this manager coach because they're not extending them beyond the year. But if you sign a four-year deal and the first three years are done, you play it out to the last darn year. I mean, you have options, too. The team's not obligated to, to eat a year of the contract. You know, that's the way it works in sports. Keep, keep yeah. extending, keep extending. And if you ever want to move on from the person, then the team's got to eat a year or two of the contract. Yeah. I mean, no yeah. one looks at it from the team's viewpoint. Hey Keith, let me get your thoughts on the, play, the playoffs while we while we're here. Uh, Boston uh, comes back; they're down two to three now. They beat Miami. Uh, you know they play kind of like the Boston of old. They're getting the steals. They're making the buckets. Tatum and Brown are, are playing well. The the the, uh, the players that aren't in the news all the time are playing well. Does does Boston really have a chance to come back and win this series? Oh, they do. They're the better team overall, right? But um, Miami better wrap this up in Miami, I think, tomorrow night because if they go back to Boston, I think they lose. The big difference is they're competing. The first three games, I I didn't see them really compete, especially again in the second half. And they had those issues against the 76ers even. They they disappeared. Um, Tatum would disappear in the fourth quarter. Your stars have got to take over the fourth quarter, not disappear. And he's tended to do that. But the last couple of games, that hasn't happened. They've competed better. He's The, the Stars have played better in the fourth quarter when it really mattered. And and uh, the, I think Boston's got a good chance to win this series uh, now. But uh, the Heat, and the Heat better win in Miami uh, tomorrow night. I think if I could just ask Keith, uh, the next season looking ahead, do you think the Knicks with Joe Lambeat can win the NBA championship? There's talk of Joe Lambeat. Yeah, there's talk Nothing of it. Talk of Towns. There's talk of a lot of things. Uh, yeah. I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure Embiid's the guy that I want. You know, he comes up small in big moments. So I'm not sure that he's the guy I want. Yeah, Pags. How are you doing? Philly sports guy comes in. How are you doing today, Pags? Talking about the 76 Nice, nice way to get a spot. When I don't know if Keith was ribbing you or he's serious. Uh, but, uh, you know. Uh, I know I knew Jack was. <laughs> I know Jack was. Uh, that's, uh, let's, let's be for real. I mean, so. I was being All serious. teams have come up small in big moments uh, recently. All the major teams. Yeah, yeah. I guess. I guess. What are your thoughts, uh, Pags? Can Boston come back and win this series? Yes, I actually said something the other day where I uh, I was doing I was 
doing a live broadcast of uh, a show with somebody, and we were talking about it. And I said, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Boston come back in this series and, and at least make it a series, obviously, which is what they did yesterday. Um, you know, Miami really has to take it on, uh, I guess, tomorrow. You know what I mean? Or else no. it's, you know, I can't go to game seven. They lose Boston's uh, Boston yeah. win. Yeah. Well, I was saying earlier yeah, so in the show. Uh, I mean, I. Pax, I was saying early in the show that this is a legacy series for Jimmy Butler because if Miami blows four straight, it's going to be hard for Jimmy Butler to live this down, especially if he never wins an NBA championship. He's going to be remembered partly for blowing a four-game lead. A superstar player stops the bleeding. He rallies his team to one win here. I mean... And if Jimmy Butler doesn't do that for Miami, you could question the level of superstar he really is, if he's one at all. Really? Really? Because I don't I don't look at it that way. You know, it's not a legacy series. Listen, he was the one he's been playing this team, he's been playing Boston by himself. He would be like the equivalent of LeBron James when he was first with Cleveland. You know, he's literally beating these teams by himself. Pax, Pax, if they lost four straight off the bat, or they were up one nothing or two nothing and lost four straight, okay. But three nothing stands out because it's historical. People are gonna pay more attention to it. I mean the 2004 Yankee Red Sox series, what makes it historical is that the Yankees blew a 3 nothing lead. Boston came back to win four straight. If the Yankees were up 2-0 two, two and Boston went up 3-2 and then the Yankees evened it and Boston won game seven, it wouldn't have been nearly as historical even though the Red Sox broke the jinx that year. It's something about 3 nothing. it's such a rarity. And we could see things disintegrating for Miami in front of our eyes. I mean, we the, the talk started once it became 3-1. And Miami is feeling more pressure than Boston now. And they're the one, and they're not the ones facing elimination in the next game. Well, listen, I think the I think well, I, I agree that they are. Sorry, this is he's absolutely right. This team is worse than the ones that early LeBron James when he was a kid. Took to the finals and they lost two teams. This team's worse, I think, than that. Than those uh, the surrounding cast is worse. Jimmy Butler's played great. I don't know if he always plays like a superstar. I think there's times where he has not always stepped up, but um, he's certainly a great player and he's carried them here this whole series. I agree with Pegs 100. And I still think the coaching edge goes to uh, Spolstra. So I that's the only reason I give the Heat a chance to so pull this thing out. You know, I, I, I don't know. I, I think Butler, I don't think – I think as a, as a whole, through the playoffs, Butler has been outstanding. Uh, he's going up against a team that's just better than the, the Miami Heat. They're just better. they got a better that's, team. Without and, a doubt. You know, and, and what I'm looking for now is, say the Celtics do come back and win, and me and Jack were talking about this, a seven-game series, 
Um, and there's no hey, listen, to win two to to win that amount of games is unbelievable. It's never been done before in the NBA. If they do it, there's Denver sitting there and they're just resting. And they're you know they're doing their practices, they're staying sharp, and they got one of the better teams. I think in the that league. no no, I think that works against them. I'll really? be honest, I think that works yeah. against them. Yeah. It, yeah. I this think isn't especially in the playoffs. Guys, in baseball, it would work against them, you know, that type of layoff, but not in basketball. It's so I disagree. I disagree. I think that I think that this would this would absolutely go against that. The, I mean, you this is a momentum thing. And you know, when you are practicing making shots or you're in the game making shots. It's a different scenario, whole different scenario. And, and listen, those games were, even though Denver swept, they were contested games. They were tough games. You know, so I kind of feel that it's this layoff, you know, and, and it could be sizable. I mean, we're talking maybe nine days of layoff. Yeah. Because if they go seven games, that's going to be a big, big deal. And that's going to, and then Denver may come out really strong in game one, but game two, I would expect go to the Celtics. And then I, I expect the Celtics to win two home, you know, and then they would win it in six. That's wow. if the Celtics make it. is already dismissing Miami. Talking about the Celtics. Uh, well, that's if the Celtics make it. That's if the Celtics make it. I, I, you know, I, that's, how I, that's my caveat to that. Celtics got to get there. You know, if not, then, you know, I, I don't think Miami has – Miami's not strong enough. Jimmy Butler will have a very similar similar uh, time as he did in the bubble against LeBron. I I don't think – I don't think – I don't think you're giving Denver enough credit. I think Denver is a great team. I, I don't think, think – I don't think they have – They are answer. a great team. They're, I don't think that there's anything – They don't have listen, an answer. For, the one thing have... I know about Denver, the one thing I do know about Denver is that – that again, this is one of those seasons where they didn't have to face much adversity, and when you put some adversity in their face, they start to crumble. And who's, that's who's the gonna, problem with Denver. That was their problem. Luke? Who's going to cover? Doesn't Luke? matter who covers him. I, and you let him get his. You Listen, let him. You let him get his. The problem. The problem is he sets up the whole offense. He doesn't just shoot. He rebounds. He, he he spreads the ball around. He goes down and get the rebounds. He goes down and get the rebounds. That's. I I don't I don't know if there's an answer for him. I really I don't. Do, I do think they face some adversity myself because they had their recent playoff failures uh, staring them in the face when they got into the playoffs this year, and they put that to bed. This is a, this team's first trip to the finals ever, and I I don't disagree with the whole layoff thing. To me, that depends on the team. Everybody reacts differently to it. If it ends up being nine days, um, that's a lot, and it could it could adversely affect it. Now, I do think Denver has like the biggest home court advantage in sports because of the the altitude and everything. And coming off of hard, let's just say it's Boston or it, or the Heat, and it's a seven game series, and then you're going to have to go play in that altitude. That's going to be very hard for them to recover. But I'm going to guess, and I haven't seen this. I don't know what the schedule is. Once we get to the once we get to the finals, you're not playing every other night. I'm guessing. There's going to be probably three days between games and in places. Uh, maybe I'm wrong, but uh, that that will help the teams recover a little bit better. Yeah, two or three. It won't be every other night. Yeah, which yeah. they should stick with every other night. And, by and the you way. think about. And here's what I think about: 
Boston, if Boston does win, if Boston does win this series, and it's the first time in 151 times, it would be they would make it one and 150. Uh, for that that being the case, uh, I think that you know they will have had six games uh, on the brink, and yeah. I think that that I think that when you have six games on the brink, that you are you are now ready for anything, and I think that they would give Denver more than they could handle, and I think Denver when they actually get real adversity, when they start to feel the pressure. Is going to fold. Hey, listen. Boston now they may not. To... They may win the first two games. Yeah. Well, listen, Boston crazy. was my pick. Boston was my pick in the beginning of the year. I'd be happy if they did. I just I don't see them beating Denver. I don't see anybody beating Denver in a the, the championship. Miami or or Boston. We'll see. Um, I think Boston is a better shot than Miami, but it's going to be tough. Um, a little Philadelphia news. Uh, you went down. You, you changed the way. You're rooted for the Phillies. You went down near the field. It worked for a game, Pags. Uh, what happened last night? Did you do the same thing? Because uh, Philly lost Atlanta 8-6. to six. Well, they were playing in Atlanta. And uh, so I wasn't in Atlanta, no. Um, and I, it, it's, it's a shame Nola had a bad outing. You know what I mean? It was uh, – I feel like that he was letting up the long ball. Uh, they were competing – yeah, this team is going to be okay. This team's going to be fine. I, I just, it becomes a matter of when are they going to start to turn it up. I feel like that that they get into their own heads a little bit. And I'm beginning to wonder, you know, as, as, I, as I even hesitate to say this, if... Trey Turner is not a little bit of a cancer. They were booing him big time the other night. He hasn't been a very so good was his boy. mom. Yeah. So was his yeah. mom. His mom booed that flail. That flail. I tell you, that fourth at bat was ridiculously bad. And but he followed it up with he probably his best at bat of the year. Only threw one pitch, but he had it. You, you could tell by the way he walked up to the plate. That he was Pags, confident you he better was get, from. You better get used to Trey Turner. He signed an 11 year contract. An 11 year contract. He's going to be your shortstop for the next 11 years, Pack. So get he, used to him. He may not be the shortstop the whole time, but he'll, he'll be there. He'll be there. Well, okay, actually, I'll be there the truth of the matter is, that's He's not necessarily true because he did not sign a no, uh, uh, no trade clause. Yeah. So he no one's going to take that. Then they're going to have to eat a lot of money. Of contract is trading. I don't know. I don't know. With the way contracts are going right now, thirty-three million a year isn't that big. He he's a good. It's he's big, a good player. Big. I wouldn't judge his. I wouldn't he's judge. He's going to be better. He. I, I, no, no. Listen, listen. I I know he's going to get better. Uh, I don't yeah. have a problem with that. But yeah. here's what I do have a problem with. He he, he came to the press conference. And he didn't want to put the hat on. I got a big deal with that. From right oh, off why the game, not? Well, 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 hat well, on. Well, he I just got paid. That's when he signed, right? Why did he say right. he want to put the hat on? I haven't heard of this. I was that was a long time ago. He didn't want to put the hat on because he just got his hair done, and his wife got was going to get upset. With him. What? I can he relate just got to that. Three hundred fifty million dollars. 
You just got $350 million. Put the freaking hat on. Put it on for a second. Take it off. Put the hat on. Well, that, that was you don't know first how much thing it pays to get his hat done. <laughs> when I get my $5 haircut, I don't want it messed up either, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. They actually charge you $5, Keith, for that. Yeah, I know. It's bad. I get it. I need $5. one. $5. Guess what? Keith lives prices are much lower. No, believe me, I play. I pay way too much to get my hair cut because all I do is get it buzzed off, and I look like you, yeah. Jack. And yes, yeah, exactly. yeah, Dad, going. I asked for a buzz. I mean, I was. I'm getting one yeah. today because it's. I'm getting a little shaggy. So let me let me ask you too what you think about the two new NFL rules. We'll start with the fair catch rule. Uh, you get it out to the 25. They seem not to want uh, people returning punts and kickoffs anymore. Um, nobody really likes this rule. The players Mostly don't like it. The play coaches, football. Most exciting play in football is kick returns for touchdowns. And we just – because some guys get hurt. It's a violent game. Does anybody realize it's a violent game? You can't legislate the violence out of football. It won't be football anymore. This is just stupid. Every game – why would you ever try to return a kick unless you see guys falling down on the defense? I, I hate it. I hate it. I'm at Andy Reid. Pretty soon we'll be playing flag football, and I hate it. Yeah. Yeah, Byron, Byron says that they can just put a lineman back there. If all they're going to do is fair catch, they don't even need to put a receiver back right. there. You don't need anything. No, just somebody to raise their hand. But, I mean, the, the NFL is trying to do this for safety. They don't. They went through all those lawsuits. This isn't and a listen, safe thing. This isn't no. a safety thing. Uh, a that's, lot why of, they, that's why these kicks. Um, yeah. A lot of – listen – there's no way to pin a team back anymore. You the special you're taking special teams out of football. The special teams have always been a very important part of r- good teams, and you're, you're taking them right out of football. You're preaching in the choir. I agree with you, Keith. I just I just know they're going to do anything they can to prevent any more lawsuits and any of that stuff happening again. And well, that's the NFL Players Association's fault. That's their yeah. fault. So even when Byron's on there saying it's no good, that's the reason why they're doing all this stuff now. It has nothing to do with the players. The 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 the, the players want to do this. The coaches want it to happen. The owners even said they held their nose when they signed off on it. Uh, and I agree. This is one of the most exciting parts of the game. That's what I, 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 I don't want to see anybody get hurt. I'm not never rooting for guys to get hurt ever. But it's a violent game. You get paid a lot of money to play it, and you understand the risks when you go into it. So, or don't go into it. I mean, you know, go get your degree in rocket science and go do something else. I agree. I agree with you. Um, the other rules why, are three. Well, why not? Why not just, why not, why not even have the kickoff? Just be like, listen, we're going to accept the ball to 25. Let's that's just, next. that's just, we're not going to kick it off. Pegs, that's where they're heading. Why, why? Because well, almost every play is going to start on 25 this year. Almost every play. Or every series, right? So, and, but that, if that's the case, if, so here's what here's what's coming. Then here's what's coming. Because if this is what occurs, pretty soon you're going to have some XFL or USFL rules where you're going to be able to get two and three points for extra points. Yeah, obviously we can get two points. You're going to get three and or four points because you're taking away the ability to even do an onside kick because right. if you're giving the team the option – you know, yeah. if you're giving the team the option to do this uh, on the, you know, on the 25, well, hey, once you scored that touchdown, now you want to do the onside kick. We want to pull on the 25-yard line so that we can kneel on it. Yeah. 
Now all of a sudden, now all of a sudden, it's it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. They've taken away. Uh, pretty soon, we're not going to have, you know, uh, any type of special teams at all. Punts will be. They're gonna. They're gonna have to get their quarterback to throw the bomb. You know what I mean? And wherever it lands is where they start. You know, and it's it's. I mean, that's you, you, that's the weirdo part. It's hard to come back at the end of games because how many successful onside kicks were there last year? Five? Maybe. Maybe maybe it wasn't even that many. I don't know because you've got like zero chance now with the way they've got the rule set. Yeah, it's true. Right. And the, the other rule, guys, is the three-quarterback rule. Uh, you can, you know, you can have a quarterback in weight. The San Francisco winders rule? Yes, yes. <laughs> Uh, they're, they're in weight now, so it, if if the two first two quarterbacks get injured or suspended or whatever happens on the field, you can just That's a that reconstitution quarterback. of a rule. That is a reconstitution of a yeah, rule, and they should have had that rule. They yeah. really should have had that rule. I mean, it, yeah. realistically, if you're – you know, you should have an emergency quarterback. Listen, they got an emergency goalie just in case. You know what I mean? Where if, if you got two injuries to goalies, you have that third goalie who sits there and he gets paid every game to go attend, and then he gets a, a an on-the-spot contract to play. And that's that is something that's worthwhile that should have happened. Listen, you know, out of the 53-man roster, 45 only dress. They could dress all 53 if they want to. Mm-hmm. And they should really. They really should dress fifty-three, but they don't do it, and they haven't brought that up because the the owners don't want to give away more money. That's what it comes down to. You know, the owners the owners could take three percent less. They could take forty-seven percent to fifty-three percent, and they would still make tons more money than everybody else in the league. But they're not doing it. Pags, you referred to hockey. Uh, the Dallas Stars were down three nothing to the Las Vegas Golden Knights, and they won in overtime. It's three one. Do you give Dallas any chance of pulling off a miracle, coming back from three nothing against Las Vegas, and doing not what you chance. think this? Not a chance. I, I, I. So it was funny. I, I there was somebody uh, in my living room yesterday who was. Uh, wearing a Dallas Stars jersey. And I said, do you think they can come back? Uh, do you think that they can even save one for their fan base? And he didn't think they could. And then, of course, they scored in the first three minutes of the game. I'm like, well, this game's over. I didn't even watch the game. Uh, that being said, I I think this is Vegas's year. However, Bobrovsky, I have more of a rooting interest for Bobrovsky because I just want him to shove it up the Flyers, you know, <laughs> shove it in the Flyers' face that, uh, hey, our goalie, and we would have probably won numerous Stanley Cups had we kept him. And unfortunately, it was, was Ed Snyder's final move and probably one of the worst moves he ever made. What did you think about this? Because the, I think uh, we're still playing – what did you What did you think about oh, Jamie Ben? Jamie Ben being ejected for two games on the cross check. Uh, you know, they're throwing stuff on the ice. It looked like he came down with a stick on the guy's neck. I mean, I I don't. Well, I don't know. he gave him. I mean, listen, Dallas Dallas was doing bad hits all game long. 
there were at least three hits that could have gone for double minors or majors that I noticed in that game three. Ben is the captain of the team, which is why they came down so strongly on him. He, he absolutely was taking his frustration out on that guy's head. And and he deserved it. Yeah. He absolutely deserved it. And that's that's the, he's like, yeah, it's, yeah. and he knew it. He knew it. No. There was no like he you could tell when he looked in the in the penalty box. He's like, man, that's not good. Um, I got to be there for my team and I can't be there now because I just blew it. So, I mean, I, I think the playoffs. Yeah, well, he's not I will. You do luckily, that least luckily. Go they, in your living I mean, room uh, for the first game of the playoffs. For the first game of the next. Yeah. Go in your living room, Pegs, and do but, that to some somebody and you're going to go to jail. So Right. Right. Yeah. So, I Ultimately, I feel that he knew. He knew right away. And what they did by coming back yesterday, all they did was allow him not to be suspended for the first game of next season. Right. Now he's just suspended for the playoffs. Because there ain't no way that Vegas loses in Vegas. And, and again, actually, the truth of the matter is, I think Vegas is the better team here. And Vegas really should... You know, I, I think they're going to win this series. If I was Vegas, I would almost go and lose and win it in Dallas because you want Florida resting. Again, you want the, you want them to rest because they're really hot and their goalie's really hot, and you want him to cool off for as long as possible. So not well, that I'd want to go seven because you never know what happens in a game yeah, seven. But That's what I was just going to say, Fags. You never know. I mean, you don't want to keep the team alive. If you can, their team, you know, their not. team, but Vegas is a much better team. Dallas got there. Dallas got there because they just were able to turn that switch on. But Vegas has got it. I think this is Vegas's year, unless Bob Roski can really stop them. And if I was Vegas, like I said, if I was the coach of Vegas, I'd consider flirting with it a little bit on not winning games, game five, and going to win it in game six just to have Florida sit. All right. Teachers. Well, folks, that's about it. We're at the top of the hour. Uh, thanks for Byron coming in earlier. Of course, Keith from TGI Sports is here every Friday and Sunday. Good to see Pags back again. Uh, we have the Saturday debate show tomorrow, folks. And we got this week in sports, our, probably our most popular show here on the Mac and Jack Sports Show. And we should say Keith and Jim Jeffcoat will be us. And hopefully Pags will be able to join us again. And uh, we'll have a good time. So, folks, have a great Friday night. Don't go and do anything crazy like Pags will do tonight. And, you know, <laughs> I don't know what he's going to do. He's just—he's out there. Jack, Jack sometimes gets wild too after a couple margaritas. Keith, he's always—I'll be in New team. York. I'll be in New York tomorrow for right. the Union New York uh, Football Club game or whatever. It's the Bulls. I think we're playing Field. So you should look up field Jack. turns to soccer. You should look up Jack. Jack would be happy to go out with you and hang for a while there. I don't know. <laughs> so anyway. I'm sure. I'm sure. He, yeah, he can look me up. I mean, if he comes dressed in a normal way, I mean, I'm not going to be seen with packs if he's coming in dressed, you know, the way he normally is. All right. I mean, as, okay. as a Philly sports guy, are, are you afraid to be hanging with the yeah, Philly sports I mean, guy? Uh, 
Well, anyway, <laughs> folks, again, have a great Friday. We'll see you tomorrow. Check out Keith's show, Pags all uh, TGI Sports Talk. Pags <laughs> is all over the place on on uh, TikTok and Instagram everywhere. So check out the Philly Sports Guy. Thanks for joining us. Have a great day, folks.